0: This is the Blind Entrepreneur Podcast, helping millennials execute their vision. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Blind Entrepreneur. I am your host, Jonathan Grisbowski, And today I have with me Alex Berman. He's 24 years of age, he's the Chief Marketing Sumo at InspireBeats. InspireBeats is a B2B lead generation and targeted outreach for SaaS companies. Their clients include Flowship, FormStack, and hundreds of others. Alex, how's your day going, my friend?
1: It's going good. Thanks for having me on the podcast, Jonathan.
0: Absolutely. Anytime, man. So we're going to start off with an icebreaker right away. Imagine you just had the worst day of your life. Your head is down the dumps. You're, you're sad. You may not be depressed, uh, but you're, you're definitely just having a really crappy day. So what is that one food that's going to raise your spirits higher?
1: Oh, man. Um, I'm a huge fan of macaroni and cheese. It's probably the best. But really, if it was like something that wants to get me pumped up, uh, you got to go prime rib with maybe a baked potato on the side.
0: Nice. Not bad. <laughs> not bad. Mac and cheese is definitely a clutch call, I would agree with you on that one. <laughs> um, so Alex, if you don't mind answering the actual first question, tell us about yourself, who are you, and what is your story?
1: Sure. So I'm the Chief Marketing Sumo at Inspire Beats. Basically, like you said, we do B2B lead generation for SaaS companies and other business-to-business companies. Uh, I run most of the marketing efforts over here, uh, third co-founder. Basically, I'm doing a lot of podcasts, doing a lot of uh, content marketing to drive leads uh, to our business. Uh, my background is in mobile app development. Um, I sold over $2 million in mobile apps uh, in the first year that I was working at this company. And then pivoted, started my own content marketing company, which then later merged uh, with Inspire Beats to become this like thing that we are now.
0: Interesting. So you've been a marketer, web dev app dev guy pretty much your entire life where where did it all begin
1: where did it all begin um so in college I read the four-hour work week um which I think it started with there it either started with four-hour work week or I read Ramit Sethi's uh, I will teach you to be rich and like when I first read that I didn't understand anything about money or business or anything like that so like that's kind of the frame that shaped everything and then from there, uh, basically, I just tried a whole bunch of business concepts. Um, I tried selling like menu rewriting services. I tried doing uh, the whole lean approach to validate a business and eventually uh, got a job at a mobile app development shop and then pivoted uh, pivoted to this.
0: Now, have you always been entrepreneurial or has this been a latest endeavor that you've been uh, tackling?
1: Uh, so my parents ran uh a company when I was a kid, they basically invented uh, like colored latex gloves. So like if you've ever been to like a dentist's office and they had any glove that's not white, like purple, mm-hmm. uh, that was because there was a glove shortage in the 1980s. And my parents were the only people who found a balloon factory that would make gloves. Interesting. Um, and they, yeah. So like uh, I grew up around that sort of thing. Uh, my older brother ran a startup during the initial uh, like startup boom in like 99, 2000. Um, but I was super young back then. Um, so it was like always around. But yeah, it wasn't really until I read 4-Hour Workweek that it really like clicked that I needed to start trying things. And it wasn't really until maybe a year and a half ago that I started just cold emailing, hustling super hard and uh, trading my way up to this.
0: So to those people who have no idea what the 4-Hour Workweek is, a book that I've read, but can you just explain a little bit more about what it is?
1: Yeah. So four-hour work week, um, I don't know how influential it is uh, now, but a couple of years ago, Tim Ferriss is basically this guy who was running this company. He went out and he wrote this book about how he was working too much and he needed to systematize everything to get his workload down. So the goal is to have four hours a week where you're working and then the other hours uh, of the week you can just spend, you know, either enriching yourself, building systems or doing other things with your life. So it's all about, you know, honing down and focusing on what's important.
0: So at this point, at this point of your life, um, you know, where do you guys feel as if your startup is currently at?
1: Uh, I'd say we're in the the scaling phase. Um, so we've got you know validation. We've got our initial customers. We're actually at about 700 customers right now, all in the B two B space, um, mostly generated through cold emails. And now we're just trying to uh, do a lot more brand building, try to establish ourselves more in the industry. Um, pull in some of those like larger, uh, named clients and then, yeah, just scale up, try to make it the best experience possible. Because one of the things we deal with, uh, as lead generation is it's probably one of the most competitive industries out there, right? There are thousands, like I I could just name off the top of my head, probably 50 lead generation companies that all do similar or almost exactly the same thing we do. So now it's all, um, now the biggest thing that we're trying to figure out is you know how can we add SaaS or how can we add branding or content or how can we do something that's different um, besides just having high quality lead gen that gets results
0: gotcha so you know if you don't mind just go into a little bit more detail about inspire beats
1: sure yeah so what we do is um, basically we have a team uh, all americans and what we'll do is when a client comes to us Let's say uh, it's a client like Flowship who was on one of your uh, podcasts a little while ago. Uh, so they sell to e-commerce stores. So what we'll do for them is we'll go out and rank e-commerce stores by traffic. So let's say we, we find the top 2,000 e-commerce stores. Then we'll go out and we'll find the decision maker out there. Uh, for smaller company, companies, it's usually the founder. Sometimes it's you know, director of production or the person in charge of logistics. And we'll find that contact information. And that's one side of it, actually doing the lead gen. And then what we'll do once we have that contact information is outreach. So we'll go and we'll actually have our team write an email to each one of these people individually, call out specific things about their e-com store, you know, the products that look interesting, company news, and basically craft a very good cold email uh, that gets them to respond and gets them interested enough to book a meeting with Flowship. Or, or for Flowship, it's SaaS, so you know, you can do a direct uh, free trial sign-up. And then from there, basically, Flowship or a client would take it and do uh, turn it into revenue Mm.
0: so sales lead generation is I'd say the hardest thing you could possibly do especially when you're first starting a company Um, what are some techniques that you can you know without giving away all of your secrets uh, what are some techniques that you would uh, give to some startups or just businesses in general listening uh, about cold emailing about uh, you know
1: lead generation Sure. (laughs) I'll give away everything. I don't really care. Um, so the first thing you really want to do is quality of leads is going to be the most important thing. You have to know as specific as possible what type of person you want to sell to. Um, this is worth spending a bunch of time thinking about. And I know psychologically no one's going to follow this advice and they want to just jump into the tactics, but this is really the important thing. Um, you want to get as granular as knowing, um, let, let's say for instance, um, you're selling to mobile app development shops. You want to know, how many people are they hiring for? Are these shops um, working with, you know, what type of uh, companies are they working with? How many employees do they have? So, you want to come up with a profile that says, like, I want to target founders at mobile app development shops between 50 and 250 employees in Austin, Chicago, San Francisco, and Philadelphia, who are currently hiring for a chief technology officer. Uh, so if you can get that specific, then you can go to LinkedIn Sales Navigator and basically type uh, Chief Technology Officer and bring up the job boards. Um, and then from those job listings, work backwards to see which agencies, you know, you could work for or work with. Um, or you could go to Indeed you can go to AngelList um, and basically find places where these people hang out. So the first, the very first thing is knowing, you know, what that target's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of buying signals are uh, people that are pretty new to the job. I found that companies, let's say a chief marketing officer who's been on the job for three months or less, those people are very open to hearing about new marketing technologies. Or a company that's hiring uh, mobile app developers, uh, let's say five mobile app developers, they're hiring them all at one time, that's a company that's going to have a heavy need for any sort of development work. Um, Things like that are really good buying signals, and then uh, companies that spend on PPC, uh, pay-per-click, There's uh, some sites you can look into um, where basically you can figure out how much people are spending on pay-per-click ads. And if you're selling any sort of marketing services, that's a good one because that means their website is a, a lead generation funnel for them. So it, it's a priority if, if you do anything in the web space or you know, any sort of SaaS tools that way.
0: Hmm. So it, it's, it's kind of interesting, right? So you mentioned that you write handcrafted cold emails. And and then you kind of uh you, you first spoke about the four hour work week. Where is the four hour work week is more like an automation tool where you just put it on auto drive and then you hit, you know I I I'm I'm kind of interested to see like how come you took the approach of actually handcrafting a cold email versus taking like a standardized template and then just, you know, working in the core businesses uh services into that, that template.
1: So there are a couple of reasons why. Um one of them came from uh, just our personal experiences. So my personal experience: when I was sending out emails for freelance gigs um, a while ago, what I found was um, actually looking at people's websites and customizing the emails. They would get crazy high conversion rates, like ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty percent conversion rates on these cold emails. Um, whereas when I would send out a templated email to people, uh, it wouldn't, and it would come back, you know, maybe a one or two percent conversion. Uh, what we also found is uh, just talking to some other lead generation companies to get a baseline, um, I found that some of the biggest people in the industry, uh, their average conversion rate for their cold emails is about 05 to 1% uh, meeting book rate, which is you know people that come back and actually want to book a meeting uh, with the emails. Uh, what we've been able to do is just by spending a little bit more time up front customizing the email, we're able to get 2 to 3% uh, average conversion rate, sometimes as high as 6 Percent for uh, services and twenty percent for SaaS. Twenty uh, percent free trial rate on a on an email just by you know calling out specific things. So, I think a lot of it's an eighty twenty 20 or an eighty uh, twenty you know analysis sort of thing. If you spend you know let's say you spend five seconds on an email you know versus the two minutes on an email, but you get three or four times the conversion rate, you know it makes sense to just spend that time
0: interesting so in terms of the the people uh, I'm still trying to get some more um, more advice that we could take away to to our viewers Um, so basically you're finding these emails through various channels Um, are there any specific go-to channels that you think people should be focusing on in in order to use a similar strategy
1: sure the one Two channels that people are going to find most valuable. One is the AngelList hiring boards. I've had so much luck, um, basically hiring AngelList uh, or going after AngelList people that are hiring for any services industry um, or any type of service. So let's say you offer user experience consulting, find people that are hiring for user experience. If you're selling sales, like we are, uh, go after people selling for sales, and it works the same for looking for a job. Um, if you want to break out of the startup industry, LinkedIn Sales Navigator, uh, which I think is only like fifty or sixty bucks a month, is also uh the best tool for that because you can go in you can dig into a uh, type of company you can get very specific with company size uh number of years of experience of the specific targets and you can you can pretty much find everyone you're looking for um at least their first and last name which is usually enough to guess an email address mm.
0: so uh, you have the information you you have a list how are you how are you guys organizing all of this
1: uh so internally we have a crm that we built Uh, that we use. But one of our clients is a CRM called Streak, uh, which I use um, when I'm doing outreach like for podcasts and everything. Um, It's a pretty cheap CRM that lives inside of Gmail and basically allows you to set up all your pipelines, uh, organize your inbox, and then also um, if you did want to do a templated or a mail merge uh, style send, um, it's also got that built in. So that's the one I'm recommending.
0: That's awesome. Good stuff. So now you have your, uh, you know, we have the process, we have the initial process of finding the people, we have the way of organizing it. You know, what are, what are some things that have to be inside of an email uh, in order to send to a prospect?
1: Sure. So the first thing you want to look at is the subject line, um, and I've seen a lot of mistakes here. Uh, we've tried a lot of things that haven't worked. What we found works the best are uh, generic subject lines, so things like quick question, or high from Alex, those will get pretty high conversion or uh, open rates. And then the other thing is, uh, if you want to go super specific, so both both sides of those. So, for instance, I was launching uh, another part of Inspire Beats recently, uh, which was a, a product directly related to uh, lead gen for agencies. And the subject line I was sending out was. Hey, Mark, built a tool that automatically finds Ruby on Rails projects. Is that something you might be interested in? And that one, the open rate was lower, but the conversion rate was crazy high. And we were able to, um, to validate that product. I think we made, it was over six sales off 100 email send. Um, and this is a product that was four or maybe $500 a month. So insane conversion rates from that super specific title. So you can go either one of those two ways. Um, generic titles, I love recommending them because they work right now. Um I feel like the more people use them the less they're going to work. Uh so yeah, take advantage of that right now uh if you can. So you found that the
0: open rate was l- correct me if I'm wrong, was lower on the longer email subject line, but the conversions was were higher.
1: Yeah, it's not the long, it's not the length, it's the specificity. So for instance, you could do a long subject line. So, hey Jonathan, um so like hey Jonathan about blind entrepreneur and inspire beats. That's a pretty long subject line. It's also still super generic. Um, it's the specificity. So basically telling people flat out what your ask is in the subject line, of course, it's going to get a lower open rate because people know what you're asking for. But by the time they open that email and read through it, they already have a gist of what you're going to ask for. And they already know kind of what the email's about. Uh, so yeah, the people that do open are much li- more likely to to, uh, to convert.
0: And then are there specific keywords that you're using inside the actual email? So we have them, we have them opening up the email. At that point, once you open, have them open to the email, does it, does it really matter what is inside the email?
1: So in order of importance, the three things you need, one is having those quality of leads like we talked about, two is the subject line, and then the third most important thing is actually not the pitch. It's not going to be the call to action. Uh, it's the first line of the email. And the reason why that is, is because in Gmail, um, if you look at your uh, inbox, you'll see, uh, you see three pieces of information. You see the name of the person, then you see the subject line, and then taking almost as much space as the subject line is that preview text of the email. So what I want to do is, and what you want to do if you're writing your cold emails, is in the subject line, you, know, you might want to be generic, but by the time you get to that first line, you want to show them that the emails are worth opening. Uh, and the way that I do that is calling out specific things about the company. So, you know, hey, Jonathan, awesome podcast interview, love the, love the one you did with Flowship. It's a great first line. Or, you know, hey, Mark, uh, came across Dom and Tom, big fan of the branding on the site, awesome robot logo. Or, uh, you know, hey, GIF, GIF's the name, G-I-F-F, hey, GIF, came across the, the website, congrats on working with Target. So something that you can call out that's specific enough that'll get them to keep reading. Um, And the reason why you want to get specific here is because you need to stand out uh, against the hundreds or even thousands of emails that these people are getting. Um, Also, by by customizing this way, you're going to avoid the spam box. Um, And actually, for that reason, we don't even recommend setting up uh, another domain. I know a lot of lead generation shops still set up. Like, let's say it's blindentrepreneur.com. They'll set up blindentrepreneur.cx or .net, and then they'll send from that email uh, to avoid the spam box. With customization, uh, the spam uh, report rate is so low uh, that it's not even an issue at all.
0: Hmm. So, how? I mean, ideally you said that you have uh, everybody that, uh, that you're hiring are, are in the States. Um, have you tried outsourcing this? And if you have, uh, what was the success rate like?
1: Yeah. Uh, so we outsourced, um, there was this Romanian girl we hired uh, a few months ago um, that I was trying, we didn't want to try it for any of our clients. I was trying it for our internal outreach uh, just to see if, you know, it would work and we could skill it up. Uh, the issue with doing non-Americans is, um, at least the ones we hired from Eastern Europe, is they want to see everything very systematized, right? Um, and they didn't take the time to actually understand the business. Um, surprisingly, the grammar and everything was was great, right? They could write or she could write English sentences that actually, you know, stood uh, against American sentences or native English speaker sentences. But the, um, the understanding of what was important in the email uh, wasn't there uh, to the point where instead of sending fully custom emails, what I had her do was just write those first lines because that's like the 80-20 of a customized email. If you can get that first line correct, you know, the pitch can basically be the same. But because of that, the effectiveness just wasn't there. And it's cheaper in the long run to just – you know, hire someone that natively speaks English to write every email by hand.
0: Mm, interesting. So, you know, h- how long has uh, Inspire Beats been around for now?
1: So we've been around for just under two years.
0: I'm sorry, say that one more time. How long?
1: Just under two years now.
0: Two years. Okay. So what would you say has been your biggest failure thus far?
1: <laughs> uh, so our biggest failure, when we first started, we were a SaaS company. Um, so basically lead generation, anyone could go in, self-serve model, you pay, and then you figure out like how, uh, which leads you want, and you uh, just buy them from us, similar to like lead fuse or some of those other softwares. And what we actually found is when we tried selling this, um, almost 100% of the clients we were pitching it to got very confused by the interface, and they couldn't figure out how to actually do it. So they just kept asking us to just send them the leads, like to do it for them. Um, so that was a pretty big failure. And that's the main reason we had to pivot to this product productized service model that we have now, where we're just providing leads for them. Interesting. Interesting. Another big failure was um, basically that uh, agency product that I was talking about before that validated. Um, we had to actually stop producing because what happened was, yeah, there was demand for it and we generated a lot of income from it. Um, but the quality of leads, basically, the way the product worked was rather than doing outreach for each individual client uh, what people were buying was a list of people that were posting about mobile app development projects all over the web um, and what we'd do is just take that list put it together and find the highest quality ones and then send it to all of the uh, the agencies on the list and we were really straightforward about it that's that's how we sold it um, but what we found was after a couple months um, the agencies just weren't seeing results from those projects and there just wasn't value there so we had to cut that and now we're just selling regularly Gendo agencies again
0: Now, I feel as if we have a really good foundation of who you are as a business professional, but now I'd kind of like to get into the head of the person doing the task and the entrepreneur uh, as in yourself. So what are some of the habits... That uh, that have helped you become more efficient throughout your day. You talked about four hour work week being a, I guess like a cornerstone of 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 your of your inspiration. But you know, what are some ways that that have helped you become more efficient?
1: Sure. So setting uh, goals, basically on Sunday, um, I've got a weekly mastermind call. Like four or five people, we all sit on the phone and talk about our goals and basically hold each other accountable. Um, so during that call, I basically set my four. Or five goals for the week. Uh, this week it was, uh, this week it was email twenty podcasts, make four videos for YouTube, and then plan out uh, an ebook. So those were my four big tasks. And yeah, I was taking customer calls, you know, closing deals, doing all the stuff you know that are normally uh, you know the systems. But those, if I had got those four done, I'd be happy. And I'm pretty close to getting them done right now. Um, so that's what I do. And then what I'll do is every single day. Basically, I have a text edit document that's always open on the right side of my computer. And I have today it says to do Friday, you know, respond to all emails, respond to uh, uh, a specific client I have listed out there. And basically the four or five tasks that I want to get done in that specific day. And then the final task every day is set tasks for the next day. So I, including the weekend, what I'll normally do is on Friday, uh, my final task today is set tasks for the weekend and usually Saturday. I'll write. You know, to do Saturday, relax, and then to do Sunday, set goals uh, for the week.
0: Hmm. Okay, interesting. And, and so, like, what are some of the resources that you use? You mentioned that you have TextEdit, which is just a standard, uh, you know, application that's on a Mac. But are there any other resources that you use? You mentioned Streak, uh, TextEdit, but uh, going a little bit deeper on a couple of others.
1: Yeah, sure. So the best tool I've found to book meetings with potential clients is Calendly, C A L E N D L ycom um, And I tried so many others. Uh, basically, you know, X.ai, like all the schedule once, all the other calendar tools. And this is the best one. Um, it integrates with multiple Google calendars. And basically, it's really straightforward. Uh, you can send a link out and they'll just, you know, sign up. I think you use that to book uh, or we use that together to book this podcast interview.
0: Yeah, I've used Calendly uh, a couple of times, and sometimes it's just, like, it's spot on, and there's other times where it's just, um, I think they've updated it since I've last used it, so you're allowed to add a couple more uh, information on there. Like, you weren't able to put in your your Skype ID or additional information, but now you're able to do that, so that's what you used.
1: uh. Yeah, you have to customize it pretty well, Um, but basically, I always ask for Skype, Um, Or phone number and for client calls. It's particularly uh, important because you never want to rely on a client calling you That's the biggest way that you'll miss a deal Um, But if you have their direct phone number, you know, you can call them multiple times Uh, Skype, I'm a big fan of just because you can use it anywhere in the world Um, But usually what I'll do is I have unlimited minutes on Skype also, so I'll just call using my regular phone number uh, using Skype So that's another tool Um, Trying to think of what else I use Google Docs a lot uh, basically whenever I have to write a contract, I try not to do it. I try to make them all fall under our terms of service, but whenever I have to write a contract, I just use Google drive and have them redline directly in there, uh, for actually sending leads out. We send them all using Google, Google sheets, which is part of Google drive. And then we use Google apps for business, uh, for all of our email. And then it's our preferred for all our clients email cause it's very easy to integrate with.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's exactly what we use. So. Um, you know, I have, I have, I guess one main final question. And so the blind entrepreneur is an individual who wants to be an entrepreneur, but may not know exactly what to do. Um, they may be lost. Uh, They may not be able to obtain the sales and the quality leads that you're able to generate. Um, but what are three pieces of advice that you would give to other millennials who want to become entrepreneurs?
1: Sure. First piece of advice. If you've had a job in the past, you've got a client. Basically, uh, when you're starting out, if you want to become an entrepreneur, talk to anyone who's ever paid you before uh, for anything, um, and try to figure out. Uh, try first. Try to hop on a call with them. You know, you already have some rapport because they were your future, bo- or they were your past boss, and figure out what they could pay you for, even if you're not working there anymore. Um, I've had uh, some of my best clients have been uh, my past bosses. Even that mobile app development shop I was working for. Uh, the main reason I was. I transitioned out to start my own company is because they became our biggest client. Like they they gave me a four figure a month contract right out the gate. Um, so, uh, talk to your bosses. Um, the best way that I recommend doing that is, come up with a list of, and this is exactly what I did, come up with a list of 10 ways that the company could improve, like high value things uh, that you could actually do. So for me, I was doing sales for them, but I knew it was marketing uh, was what I was really good at. So I actually made a marketing plan of like how I would optimize the channels, what I would do for copywriting, put a price next to all of them and actually handed it to my boss as a proposal. Well, it wasn't even my boss, it was my boss's boss, the CEO of the company uh, as a proposal. Um, so that's, that's a big one. You basically already have all the connections you need for your first three clients. Uh, the second one is cold pitches. You know, they do work. Um, I found my first job in New York with no connections, and I, I got hired within two weeks at a quick, pretty quick-growing uh, funded startup just by cold emailing people. Uh, I ended up cold emailing maybe two, 300 people in that first two weeks that I was just freaking out in New York uh, for informational interviews. And, yeah, I got hired. Um, I, I offered to work for free for a month. Before going full time, and because of that, basically this company had a bunch of interns, and because of that full time uh, offer, I actually ended up getting hired full time while people were still that got hired before me uh, were still interns.
0: Interesting. If uh, if I were a boxing announcer, uh, I would definitely introduce you as Alex, the cold emailer, because Bur- <laughs> <laughs> you're just you're killing it on on everything, and and you know congratulations on all of your success, if people wanted to follow you, if they wanted to be a part of your journey, if they wanted to become a customer, please tell us uh, the various ways in order for people to contact you.
1: Sure, so to become a customer or get more info on Inspire Beats, check out inspirebeats.com. And then if you wanna follow me, best channel right now is YouTube. So youtube.com slash Alex Berman, without that first E, so A-L-X-B-E-R-M-A-N.
0: Alex, thank you so much for your time. Congratulations again, and I wish you all the best.
1: Thanks, Jonathan.